You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Those are our announcements. Would you pray with me as we get ready to study the word together? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that beyond being a good God, beyond being the all-knowing, all-intelligent designer and creator, that you have deigned to speak to us, that you have not left us in the dark, but have sought to light our path, to be our guide, to be that North Star in our life, that compass heading. We pray, God, that once again today that your spirit would take from your word and would speak to us. Renew our faith, renew our hope, renew our trust, renew our vision. And we ask all these things for your sake. Amen. Okay, well, uh, you know the Apostle Paul, he enjoins us to speak to uh, one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And today, I thought it'd be really great to break into one of the Psalms and take a look at what that might teach us. And so if you'd open up your Bibles with me, we are going to be in Psalm 1. So uh, if, if uh, I, I wanted something easy to find, so, you know, open your Bible up to the middle and then start turning back a few pages. Usually you've got it there. But we are in Psalm 1, and we'll be going through verses 1 through 6. So uh, let me read it together, and I'll, we'll all read it together, and, and then I'll come back and I'll, I'll break this apart a little bit for us, and, and then we'll take a look at how this applies to our lives today. So uh, Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is wisdom, my friends. This psalm is about living wisely. This is a psalm that has something to teach all of us about what it means to live wisely and thus be blessed. We begin with the phrase, blessed is the man. Now let me tease that out a little bit. What does it mean to be blessed? So oftentimes we associate being blessed with basically the wind being at our back, things going our way. But truly, if, I, if we want to get to the heart of what it means to be blessed by God, we're talking about the idea of God's hand and favor being upon us actually 
apart from our circumstances. And if you've been walking with God for any time at all, you know this to be true, that you can actually have very unfavorable circumstances in your life, and yet, deep in your heart of hearts, you have that, I know I'm blessed of God. God is blessing me. Because God's blessing is God's favor apart from circumstances. The blessed man is somebody who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. We're talking about, uh, in, in the realm of Hebrew poetry, which of course the Psalms are poetry, these are not referencing three different groups, but rather this is what's a, called a synthesis. It's a synthetic parallelism, if you want to get very technical about it. But the idea is that it's amplifying the same thing three times over. So we're talking about a group of people Okay, we're talking about the, the people that are the sinners, scoffers, and, and mockers there. And so it's an amplification of their, their characteristics. And of course, walking and sitting and standing, those are what? Those are the normal postures of our daily waking hours. You know, we, we, when we're asleep, we're not causing any trouble. But uh, this is speaking of, well, some of us aren't causing any trouble, right? Uh, anyway, uh, the, the point being, though, is, is that this group is characterized really by habitual sinfulness, uh, ungodliness, and scorn and mocking for people that actually do believe in God. So, and remember the context of this. This is the Hebrew psalm book. And so within God's people, within Israel, there were those, even, in, even within Israel in the covenant people, that, that really kind of scoffed and mocked about God's existence. And I'm not saying that any of us in the church are that way, but we need to understand that, you know, this, the mocking of faith in God comes in all, in all groups of people, truly. The blessed man is not to avoid this group altogether. We are part of the kingdom of Christ, and because we are in the kingdom of Christ, we are embedded in this sinful world. We are embedded to be a light for the Lord. We're embedded to be a witness and to show a different way. So it's not about avoiding uh, these people, but rather that we are not to adopt their mindset, not to adopt their lifestyle. The blessed person keeps a filter on what they let into their hearts and their minds and their beliefs. True story, uh, I knew a, knew a, I actually, it was a student, I actually used to teach at a Bible college before my uh, assignment up here. And a student of mine, preparing for ministry, studying theology, studying the word all the time, very engaged in all this, he spent just loads, a preponderance of his time on the internet in chat groups, online groups, and reading blogs of people that were atheists or were actually the scoffers, if you will. And these folks, uh, he, he wanted to do that because his purpose was he wanted to understand all the arguments. He wanted to be able to speak directly to them. But you know what happened? True story. He became an atheist. 
He went from studying for ministry to becoming an atheist. And what was that? He did not set a guard on what he led into his mind. He did not balance that. Now, friends, not a rebuke, but an exhortation. If you are deeply engaged in what I call cable bad news channels, okay, where, you know, the sewer of the world is being pumped into your brain. It's like an open sewer coming in all the time. I have seen some very happy people become incredibly unhappy. And I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm not saying don't be informed. I'm saying balance that. Okay, friends? Balance that. Balance that with spiritually nourishing things. Actually, don't balance it. Take that back. Do more of it, okay? Have an imbalance more on things that are going to spiritually nourish your heart, less on those things that are not going to spiritually nourish your heart. You will find yourself being less grouchy. And the fact of the matter is, is if that you really are concerned about being informed, my friends, being informed is knowing what God is doing, okay? So you're way more informed if you have your nose in the Bible than you are watching the other things. Not a rebuke, just an exhortation. So the blessed man does not walk with the ungodly, but it says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Live this way and not the other. So one way is not being commended, this other way is being commended to us. And I want to come back to that later on as we kind of tie the strings up on this this message today, but I do want to ask a question. Here's the question. What do you hunger for in your life? What satisfies your soul? I want you to be really honest with yourself about that. Because we can say, oh, you know, God's the only one that satisfies my soul. But let me ask you something. The things that you hunger for the things that really do bring you satisfaction may not truly be of the Lord. Point. The point is, what satisfies you, what you hunger for, is what you really delight in. It's a good way of keeping tabs on where you're at with things. Once again, uh, you know, what do we nourish our lives? Are we seeking nourishment from the Lord? Are we seeking nourishment from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, which is a fancy way of saying, it's the Bible's way of saying, all that fallen human culture loves and adores. And that is really the truth. That's the, that's the diet that, uh, you know, you have the keto diet. This is the satanic diet, okay? Uh, this, is, uh, this is the diet the world eats, but that's not to be the diet of Christ's people. That is to be the diet of faith, hope, and love. Not a lot of carbs in that either, which is kind of nice. So the blessed man, first of all, he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then we read, he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that brings forth fruit in season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You know, there's a lot of talk in our society today about what's called human resilience. 
And this is the idea of managing the stresses and the strains and struggles of life and doing it well. If you're one of those people that can, can balance the demands of your life, then you, chances are you are what's known as a resilient person. And this is what is being actually described for us here is a resilient person. The blessed man has well-irrigated roots. He doesn't wither in a season of drought. There's fruitfulness in season. We don't expect fruit from a tree all year round, do we? But it's absolutely beautiful and appropriate when we see a crop of fruit emerging at the end of the summer and into the fall. And all of us have seasons. We're not designed to be, you know, constantly, constantly uh, bearing fruit, but we're in the process, and fruit is coming in our lives, and there's a harvest of fruit in our lives. And what else is there? There's a hope in the future. And whatever he does, he shall prosper. That's a, a looking forward, a, a hopefulness. Man, we need hope a lot more than we realize we do. Hope is like oxygen for us, friends. Hope is like oxygen. And the resilient person, the person who's water to the Lord, has hope, a hope and a future always. Jesus describes this in a different way. In John chapter 7, he says, He who believes in me will have within him a spring of life. I don't know if you remember that Sunday school song from years ago, Spring Up a Well Within My Soul. But it's the idea of an ever-fresh stream of water within us, within our hearts. And this is the indwelling spirit of God. The spirit is a source of life and continual nourishment that abides in our hearts. It transforms us completely, and it brings forth the fruit in season of Christ's character within our lives. Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. If you name the name of Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit is within you. And that is the very presence of Christ in your mind and your heart daily. This is a relationship that should be cultivated and valued if you are his disciple. I know from personal experience, the Holy Spirit's presence in my life has modulated my pride and my triumphs. The Holy Spirit has modulated the pain and my own personal struggles. But most of all, with the Holy Spirit in my life, I have been able to see the vision that Jesus Christ is God. And that's not something any of us, friends, any of us should ever get over. That Jesus Christ is my Lord and my God and he died for me and he saved me. And friends, that's good news. Whether you're one years old today or whether you're 90 years old today, that is good news every single day. And we need to get back to that in our daily life. As a matter of fact, if you're not happy about that, you need to talk to yourself and have a talk about that with yourself. Because it's pretty, well, I almost said a bad word there. Um, no laughing from the peanut gallery there. Uh, what was the word you're supposed to say there that's courteous? Um, it's really amazing. It's really amazing that Jesus loves us. But we go on. The wicked are not so, 
but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Once again, going back, a comparison, the fruitful planted tree, now we have the chaff, the people that live apart from God. And how often, friends, you know, why, why, was, this, why was this included here? Think about this. The people of God are looking, here's these people, we're following God, we're trying to follow God, and yet we have these other people that are, you know, they're mockers and everything, and, and they're, they're among us. And let me bring this to your experience. How often do we know people that completely live their lives for nothing but the fallen goods of this world, that live their lives for everything earthly and nothing spiritually, nothing heavenly? How many people in our lives do we know that? And how some of them are really, quite frankly, very happy. Matter of fact, probably happier on a daily basis than we are. How many of them have perfect children that have straight teeth and good SAT scores? <laughs> it, it's amazing. You know, so we see people and go, well, those people seem like they're the rooted and fruitful tree. Look at my life. My kids aren't any good or, you know, my job's lousy or I don't make any money. I, you know, uh, on it goes. And yet we're blessed of the Lord. How can I say I'm blessed? I'm blessed because God is prospering me. He is, he is blessing me. From our vantage point, they seem one way. But who is speaking here but the Spirit of Christ? Who is defining reality but the Spirit of God? And the Spirit of God says, no, these are like the chaff. To be rooted in the world is to be like chaff. And that's not being a fruitful tree. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. In other words, when he says he knows, he watches over. He's watching over. He knows deeply. He knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The weed and the chaff, the righteous and wicked coexist in this life. But the Bible tells us over and over and over again there's going to be an inevitable separation of the two. That we are, we are basically moving towards what C.S. Lewis called a great divorce. That there's going to be an eternal future in which the wheat and the chaff are separated. The Lord knows or watches those who live in righteousness and evil, and he actually knows intimately, and his judgment is entirely just and trustworthy because he knows all things, including thoughts, intentions, deeds done in secret. He knows all. Thus, the man who is faithful to God now will be blessed eternally, even if present life circumstances do not feel much more than sorrows. And the man who is unfaithful to God might be blessed presently, but will have all of eternity to experience sorrows. This is a sobering reality. I mean, how often do we, you know, get a warm, fuzzy feeling talking about judgment of God, right? I mean, is that, stick your hand up if you think that's really wonderful that God is going to judge people. Okay. Well, I mean, sometimes people need judgment, but you know what I'm saying. Let me just say this. I think probably one of the most sobering 
realities in our life is the fact that God does honor our decisions. He honors our decisions. And if we live a life decidedly apart from him, he'll honor that. He's not going to come around and say, well, you know, I'll take you with me in my eternal kingdom. I, you know, why would, why would somebody who's lived their whole life apart from God not want to have anything to do with God? Why would they be blessed in being an eternal kingdom? And that's what the Lord lays out for us. You were made for this, and if you want to choose that, you're going to get that. I think it's a very sobering reality. It's amazing. God honors our decisions. That's why sometimes you find yourself in, in your life and you go, God, I, I really messed this up. And why didn't you stop me from doing this? Or why didn't you bail me out from doing this? Why didn't you intervene here? Because God honors your decisions. He honors your decisions. And uh, part of being a grown-up is living with consequences of those decisions. And God isn't raising little kids. He's not raising toddlers. He's raising people who are for his kingdom that are going to be his kingdom servants, people that will add value and glory to his kingdom. So God honors our decisions. So... Let me sum this up in closing. How should we understand this psalm today, and how should we apply it in our lives? Well, the first thing I want you to do, if you got your Bibles open, I want you to look at this psalm all together here. The first thing I want you to see is Jesus Christ. Jesus, this psalm describes Jesus Christ perfectly. Jesus was fully human. He was born of a woman, conceived by the Holy Spirit, but he was a human being. That's what makes his work on our behalf meritorious. Jesus is the blessed man and the man of blessing. Second of all, Jesus did not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Few of us have encountered the chief of all sinners, and that's Satan. And yet Jesus did. We read in all four of the Gospels. We read about Jesus being tempted at various points in his ministry uh, to, by, by the devil specifically to get him to step aside from his mission that God gave him. And yet Jesus forsook any of that and only did what God told him to do, only what the word of God spoke. He was the man who did not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But he delighted, rather, in doing the will of the Father. John 17, and I, we won't turn there, but I'd like you to maybe even take some time today and read that passage. That's also known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He says right there, he says, Father, as, as he, this is kind of like his benediction prayer on his entire ministry. He says, Father, I delighted, I taught everything that you told me to teach. I said everything that you told me to say. I did everything you told me to do. I delighted in what you spoke to me. I delighted in that, and that filled my soul. He said, you know, the meat that I have to eat in my life is to do the will of the Father. That satisfied his hunger was to do the will of God. 
Jesus is the well-watered tree of life that bears fruit in season. His death on the cross for our sins, his authoritative teaching on how we should live gives life. It imparts life to us. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It is life imparting, the fruitful tree. And then Jesus, though he was not a sinner, was numbered among the wicked and took our judgment upon himself. He himself became the chaff, separated from God in judgment, so that we could become the fruitful and well-watered tree. It's an amazing thing. Do you see Jesus in there? Is Jesus the blessed man? That's not a rhetorical question. Little audience response, please. Do we see Jesus in there? Yes, we do. Let me ask you a million-dollar question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know Jesus today? Do you have a relationship with him? If you haven't done that before, and I want to urge you, even you watching on television today, uh, if you haven't done that, that is a, that's the most consequential question of your life. It is absolutely consequential. If you haven't done that, I want to give you two things to, you need to do here. It's simple, but it's not simplistic. And, I, and the reason I say it's not simplistic is because it requires your whole life. And that is repent and believe. Repent, have a change of mind about your life. Repent means, it means change your mind. Change your mind about your life. Change your mind about your love for sin. Realize that that is a real problem. And to ask God to be your God and to help you know how to live your life. And then believe. Jesus, Jesus uh, he really said this pretty straight. As a matter of fact, I think the passage I'm going to teach in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to go through that passage. But basically, he says, you, uh, you're not blessed in the knowing. I mean, it's good to know. Okay, it's good to know about the things of God. And you're not blessed in the knowing, but you're blessed in the doing. That it is not just what you know, but what you actually do. And friends, that is really, if you will, that is the mark of whether you believe something. You believe something when you act upon it. And so when we act upon the knowledge of God, we do what God tells us to do. We do things like get baptized and submit to baptism. We, we do things like we read the word and we seek God's wisdom in our decisions. We repent and we believe. Once again, um, you know, if you're watching with us today, I know we're going to have some information up there about giving your life to Christ. But wherever you are today, let me just say if you've never done this before or you've done it, but you know you really didn't live it and you haven't surrendered to Jesus, let me just say this. Don't leave here today if you know the Lord is knocking on your heart. Okay, that's just the bottom line. I know, I know from personal experience because believe me, Chris White was not born a Christian, okay? My wife's laughing. I was not born a Christian. And I can tell you many times I heard people talk to me about Jesus. And I can tell you that there were even these moments in which I go, you know, I kind of want to be a Christian. But no, I don't. I want to sin some more because it's so much fun. And so I wouldn't do it. 
But you know, I'll tell you what, there came a point when I, when I let go of that. When I let go of that, that resistance, I couldn't, could not not worship after that point. That was a life change. And I just, the reason I bring it up, guys, is it's, once again, getting back to this whole thing about uh, God honoring our decisions. Make a quality decision. I would rather you make a quality decision against Christ than to make nothing at all and just never think deeply about this. You say, do you want people to not come to Christ? I want, I want you to do that, but I want you to be real about it, okay? That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's such a consequential decision. The blessed man follows the man of blessing. The blessed man follows the man of blessing. The man who has God's favor upon his life is following the man of blessing. The man of blessing is Jesus Christ, God's appointed son and savior for our lives. But also, wisdom is given to us here about how to live in a manner worthy of that calling. I believed, I repented, I've had that. And it's right here, it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The law or Torah simply means the instruction of the Lord. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by the very word of God. Jesus also said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The people of God in every generation, including our own, show their devotion by seeking to understand what the scripture teaches us. But I want to combine that with the other part of this, okay, because this psalm is, is all together, okay, his delight is in the law of the Lord, but also he says he's that well-watered spring, and I want to bring that together of, of word and spirit, because we're watered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that stream of water that we are planted by, and the Holy Spirit is the spring of water within your soul. Christ sent his spirit the Spirit gave us the Word of God. The Spirit helps us to understand what the Lord has taught and how we are to act upon it. The Spirit never leads us in ways that Scripture would ever contradict. If you find, I feel led of the Lord to do this and it contradicts Scripture, you're not following because the Spirit of God gave us the Scripture. The Spirit of God helps us to understand the Scripture. It's always in alignment and it is always together because scripture and spirit are gifts given to us by God to be our guide. So let me just sum up here with two thoughts. First of all, how to be more led by the word in your life. Number one, Christianity 101, and that is to put yourself in the discipline of reading, studying, and meditating on the scriptures. You know, many Christian folks have a, a really good intention about this, but you know what intentions are? They are uh, like New Year's resolutions, and New Year's resolutions rarely form deep habits in our lives. Um, disciplines, on the other hand, and that's why I use that word, disciplines are us telling our weak-willed selves that we're in charge and that we are going to do what's good for us. The blessed man meditates, and by meditation, I'm not meaning, you know, you, you know, sit lotus style in Om or anything like that. Meditation means to ruminate, to 
think upon. So there's a constancy. The blessed man meditates day and night, constantly stopping or constantly going, not stopping and neglecting it. There's a constancy to that. I used to think, you know, you know, Lord, I don't understand. Like I read in the Psalms, you know, David says, you know, in the night watches, I offer my praise to you. I read this, you know, you're supposed to be meditating day and night. And I, I used to always wonder all that until I hit about 41. And then all of a sudden, I started waking up in the middle of the night. Did any of you guys do that? You know, like, you know, like for no reason known to God of anything holy or good, that at like 1.30 in the morning, you just like your eyes pop open and you're laying there and you're like, why? Why me? Why is this happening on a weeknight, a work night? Well, those are the night watches. And once again, uh, you know, those are valid, man. That's a time to be praying, a time to be thinking upon the Lord and utilizing that time. It can actually be something quite beautiful uh, and might even help you fall back asleep for that matter. Don't neglect your opportunities to study God's word with other people. I call that a discipline because I know that uh, I have spent years evading uh, being in men's Bible study group and finally got myself, and so I'm feeling very superior, and so I'm going to recommend it to you today. But uh, after a lifetime of neglect that I've got to tell you, I've put myself under the discipline of being in a men's Bible study group. And I mean by discipline, I mean that I've got to be on my deathbed before I won't go. Uh, but I got to tell you, and, and I'm speaking to guys especially, man, that has been almost nothing short of miraculous in my life as far as the Lord just speaking to me. There's not a time that I don't go that the Lord does not bless and speak some insight to me that I would have never picked up on my own. What an, I think people are meant for that. I think we're meant for that because we all have the spirit within us. And so we all have different perspectives we can add to that. Such an important thing. This is what Paul means when he says, let the word of God dwell in you richly, is to have a life that is saturated, marinated, meditated upon the word of God. Also, can I just say, preach the word to yourself. You go, what do you mean by that? Guys, well, maybe it's just me, but don't do you guys talk to yourself in your head all day? I mean, I find I'm always talking to myself and frankly saying some really stupid things. Something's complete nonsense. So it's like it's in there anyway. This monologue is going on. The stream of consciousness is going on. Preach the word to yourself when you hear that. Tell yourself what the truth is about what the Bible is teaching you. It's like David, in one of the other psalms where he says, you know, why are you cast down, my soul? Uh, believe in God. Trust in God. And how often we need to do that. We, we find ourselves, you know, telling lies to ourselves all the time. One of the most prevalent lies we tell ourselves is God doesn't love us. You know, oh, well, you know, he loves other people. I mean, I'm sure he tolerates me. You know, God actually loves you more than you love him. We've got to tell ourselves that and live in that truth. You start teaching that to yourself and start believing it, you're going to fall in love with God all over again. God gave us brains to think. 
has never a waste of time to ever think about any truth of God. So be more led by the Word. Finally, be more led by the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said it was actually better that he went away, which I'm like, gosh, really? I would think it would be great if Jesus were here right now with us. But he says, actually, it's better that I go away because if I go away, he says, I can send to you the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about this the other day that, you know, God's plan is not just to be with us. God's plan is to be in us. That's kind of an awesome, crazy, amazing thing. That God says, no, I don't want to just hang out with you. That's fine. No, I want to be in you. I want to actually abide and dwell within the habitation of your very soul. I, want, I actually kind of want to be an umbilical cord, you know, where, where my truth and my light and my love is kind of like flowing into your soul all the time. How do we do that? How do we be led by the Holy Spirit more? Well, first of all, the Bible's very clear. There's two things that we mustn't do. First of all, we mustn't grieve the Holy Spirit. And second of all, we must not quench out the Holy Spirit. So those are some things that we can assume as a believer. We all have the Holy Spirit. But if we are quenching the Spirit, if we are grieving the Holy Spirit... That's going to clutter that relationship up. That is going to, if you will, and I'm using a word here, but it's going to block the flow, okay? But here's the idea, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is holy. That's his first name, Holy Spirit. And if we grieve the Holy Spirit, what are we doing? We are loving something that is unholy. We're cherishing the unholy. And when we cherish the unholy, we grieve the Holy Spirit. But second of all, how do we quench the Holy Spirit? That's where we start ignoring his promptings. And I think you've probably had this experience in your life where it's like you do something, and it's like, don't say that, don't go there, blah, blah, blah. And you, you know, you, you run all the red lights. You don't need to look at that movie, run the red lights. You probably ought to speak to so-and-so and speak up right now. Oh, nice day. How you doing? Even though the Lord prompted you. The idea is, is don't quench. Quenching means pour water on something, the fire of the Holy Spirit pouring water on that to put out the fire, to not listen to the Lord. Guys, how do we, how do we overcome that? How do we cultivate that? We cultivate that by being sensitive and acting upon that. When the Lord gives you an idea about calling somebody, you pick up the phone and you call the person. When the Lord tells you to say something to somebody, Pick up, no, I don't pick nothing up. Just open your mouth and get something going. Does anybody else find this train annoying? Uh, you know, it's like underlining everything I'm saying right now. Yeah, write someone, pray over someone, be sensitive to that. You don't, you guys, you don't ever, you, you probably are going to make mistakes. You might hear the Lord wrong. But you know, the Lord can steer you when you are moving a lot better than when you're parked by the side of the road, okay? 
So you, you, it's cultivating that. And that's what I mean by led by the Spirit is you're listening to that, that inner voice, that voice of the Lord, and you're saying, I'm going to act upon that. I can tell you many, many times in my own life where I've taken just one little step and the consequences of that have been just phenomenal, wonderful. You know, where people, you know, where I call someone and say, you know, I'm just thinking about you. And like, oh, I can't believe you're calling me. I, I, I need prayer today. You know, listening to that, guys. Listening to the Spirit's promptings. As we listen to what the Lord teaches us and do what he tells us to do, even so, we will see our lives become more like Christ in our heart and our character and there we will have the blessing that's promised us in Psalm 1. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the man of blessing in our lives. And I pray for every one of us here, those who are watching online, those who are present here from the oldest to the youngest, that we would just have that sense of your blessing and your prospering of our lives and that we would have that hunger and that delight to know you, that hunger and delight for what you tell us to do, Lord. That hunger and delight in doing the will of the Father just like your son Jesus did. Help us to be those people. Help us to experience that Psalm 1 blessing. We thank you, Lord. We pray for the day that remains ahead of us that we would have a, truly a, a blessed day of rest today, that we would find your nurture in our lives for the week ahead, that we would live our faith like never before in the week ahead. Give us strength, Father, for those areas in which we are weak. Help us to be a source of encouragement for those that are hurting and need our strength as well. We pray all these things. In Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503 266 4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.